Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. I'm your host, Shannon, and uh, let's get right into it. We've got a full episode today, and I don't want to waste a moment of time because we've got a lot to talk about. So on the fun side of things, we've all been watching. I feel like I've been watching more Instagram than actual television. Uh, (laughs) We've cleaned out all of Netflix. So we've just been watching a lot of the battles, watched a little bit of the uh, versus battle that was uh, Jamaican with uh, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man, Beanie Man. Don't make fun of my fake accent. You know, I try to work on those, but um, it was really, really fun. I didn't know half of what was said because I'm really Southern, but I had a good time watching it nonetheless. And Jamaica should be super proud if of nothing, not just their talent, but of their internet service. Because <laughs> y'all were winning. <laughs> uh, on Sunday night, we finally got a chance to uh, see Babyface wanted to do a live because we're up on the 25th anniversary of Waiting to Exhale, the film and the soundtrack that came with it. And it was a, a babyface project. And listen, I don't think I knew what I was signing up for when I watched his live. He went through some of the more prominent cups, um, cuts from the record and gave us little backstories and, and played a little bit of it. We got to hear Tony Braxton sing a little bit of Let It Go. It was lovely. Um, and I was chatting with my friends as we were all watching it separately and My friend, who's been a guest on the podcast, Hillary, was literally like, man, these songs hit way different now that we're grown. You know, that soundtrack came out in 1995. So the majority of my peers were around 10 years old, right? We were either dead at 10 or like 11, 9, 8, you know, 12, that age bracket and loved the soundtrack, loved the songs, even though, you know, it's completely different when you've actually lived some stuff and experienced some of the things that these songs are talking about, man. I mean, I just sat there and I got really emotional. I got really emotional off of some of these songs, you know, shoop, 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 and and uh, count on me. I miss R&B that was really focused on the lyrics and it didn't mind being corny. You know, these songs were about sex and love and friendship and heartbreak and and just good old fashioned, uh, you know, feelings and emotions and life experiences. And they hit so different now that you've got some mess under your belt, honey. So it was lovely. I'm sure I'm sure it's been recorded and it's either currently on his uh, Instagram or it's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. Almost everything's on YouTube. Anything legal for the most part is on YouTube. So, uh, <laughs> so I would encourage if you did not uh, see it. And if you really do remember and have fond memories of the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, I would encourage you to watch that. It was so meaningful in a way that I wasn't prepared. If I'd have known, I'd have had me some tissues. Well, my husband got me some wine because he was like, are you sniffling at baby face? But <laughs> he's like, I hear you just sniffing away. Take, take this glass of wine and tighten up. <laughs> if I had been prepared, I would have had my wine already, baby. <laughs> So that was the good. Uh, This week has been, listen, I'm trying to understand how everything's in quarantine, but racism and police brutality. How? 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 So 
today's news is uh, the audacity of Amy Cooper and the Amy Coopers of the world. You know, just recently, y'all were telling us, don't call me Karen. I'm not a Karen. It's like the N-word. It is not like the N-word because there's no such thing as the K-word. So there's that. Amy Cooper is the most recent iteration of the worst form of white supremacy, racism, and privilege because it masks itself as if it were not, right? So so this wonderful, you know, man, Christian Cooper, he is an avid bird watcher and he uh, likes to watch birds. I think he's a part of the Audubon Club. I didn't even know that was a real thing, but God bless him. He likes looking at the birds and he was doing so in Central Park and saw Amy Cooper, they're no relation by the way, wandering with her dog off the leash. Now you have to have a leash on your dog, dog lovers. It's the best way to keep them safe. It seems like common sense. I don't have a dog, but I wouldn't take it outside without a leash because I'd want to keep my dog. She's out there without the dog. He says to her, you need to have your dog on the leash. And her reaction is to, uh, and there's this video of this, right? She's arguing with him back and forth. He's saying, these are the rules. And she, you know, is sort of holding this little pooch by the collar and just dragging the baby around, just dragging the dog around in her, you know, vitriol. The dog is yelping like, I can't, you know, you're choking me because of your anger. And she then proceeds to say, I'm going to call the police and tell them that you threatened me. And she calls and I'm going to tell them an African-American man is threatening me. So she calls the police, completely changes her voice and goes into this damsel in distress. <laughs> there is a black man. He's an African-American. He's threatening me and my dog. She like chokes up on the dog. So the dog kind of whimpers right on cue, right? So it is outrageous and it has gone viral because the weaponizing of, you know, white woman tears can lead to death historically. We remember Emmett Till. We remember a lot of cases in which uh, men of color, in particular black men, are not just uh, reprimanded, not just arrested, but murdered when you say, I am threatening a white woman. Or a white woman says, I am being threatened, right? So for her to to be completely in the wrong because a dog did need to be on the leash, then to say, I know, I'm going to call the police because they are, you know, in her mind, you can tell that she was like, I'm going to use them. They're my watchdogs. They're my protectors. I know if I vilify this black man, no one's going to believe him. And he, she does so while he's recording her. It's not a secret that she's on camera. She's not, he's not wearing a hidden camera. Um... And so, of course, as this goes around, it uh, goes viral and she's been doxxed. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel no kind of way about it if you're expecting me to give you some lecture about doxxing. I, I know we're, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm going to talk about cancel culture. I'm not necessarily a fan of cancel culture. I am into postpone your ass culture. Like some people need to take a break. Some people need to be put on pause so they can sit. You need a, a real time out in life, right? And so this is what she's going to have to deal with. She, um, we found, we, the collective internet, they found the company that she works for and they wrote her employer and said, listen, and she had a high up position. And um, so she has since been terminated. She was investigated. The people she adopted her dog from, honey, they came and took the dog back because not only was she choking up on the dog, apparently she had one of those Instagram accounts that people make for their pets. And people are noticing your dog had a, a cute little accident almost every other week, every, you know, this poor dog looked like he was just 
you know, for those of you who are familiar with the Gypsy Rose story of the lady who had, you know, the girl whose mother made her sick on purpose for sympathy, it's almost like she had doggy Munchausen's proxy. The dog was constantly in a little cast and falling off of things and, you know, getting hurt and getting sick. And then we see this video of her basically choking out this dog for what reason. So they came and got their puppy back and I don't blame them. So she's lost the dog. She's lost the job. You know, and of course, she's sort of issued an apology. I'm sorry. I felt threatened. It's no reason to ruin my life. Since you were threatened, I've been in situations in which I felt afraid, you know, where, you know, a man got too aggressive with me, you know, particularly when you're out and, and you know, men can can be a little forceful when they're trying to talk to you, especially when you're younger and you're going out and things like that. I have never in a situation in which I felt threatened or scared or the urge to call the police. I've never walked up to that man, put my finger in his face and then said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the entire script. She did it like, like an evil villain in a cartoon. Like I'm going to tell the cops this, then the other, and then you'll be in my evil lair. Like she gave the whole script of what she was going to do first, just like an evil villain. You're not going to tell me you were scared. If anything, you were determined to get him scared because you know that there is an issue of police brutality in this country and that if you call the police, they would believe you and this man's life is at stake because you didn't want a police on your dog. If that's not the most selfish, evil mess. And, you know, when we saw where she worked, you know, she doesn't work at like, you know, a Kentaco hut or anything like that. She's, and that's no shade to anybody who does, by the way, but she, she was very high up at a financial company. And the first thing I thought was, oh, can we look at her hiring practices? We should also be investigating. Are there any people of color that reported to her? Are there any, because these are the same people who do this mess, the same people who want to threaten the black FedEx workers in their neighborhoods, the same people who, who want to call the cops because, you know, you're just in the park living your life, are the same people doing the hiring and the firing and the corporate work and, the, and giving you peer reviews and all of those sorts of things. And we got to address those, those implicit biases, you know, just because you're not wearing you know, a clan outfit doesn't necessarily mean that you have the best of intentions for all people of all cultures and all races. Like we got to talk about that. So it's just been, it's just been really disheartening. Um, it's been disheartening to see people excuse what happened. It's been disheartening to see people clearly more upset about the way she treated that dog than the way she treated a human. And listen, I like a dog, so I'm not saying that. I've, I've, you've heard me complain about the way she treated a dog. But it is not comparable to the fact that she could have killed that man through police. Through All it took was one call to the wrong officer. That's all it took. We've seen it time and time again. Actually, I feel like we just had a video come out like today of a cop who literally just had his knee on this man's head. That man died. We're humans. We matter. Our health matters. Who we are matters. We've got to get down to the root of it. We've got to call a thing a thing. And, and in order for us to be better, to literally be the, the more perfect union that we think we are, we've got to do some work as a nation and as individuals and all of that. 
It's not cute. It's just not cute no more. So I'm going to keep this part short because we got an episode. We're continuing from the last episode. I talked with my cousin Corey about, uh, you know, Boosie and, and the way that he was exposing his children to sex and sexuality, in my opinion, too early. And that conversation spawned a little man panel. I'm being joined uh, by two additional men, Dijon and Emmanuel, who are going to share their experiences, their life takes, and what it's like to be a man that has come of age in this sort of society and culture. You know, of course, we start talking about Boosie, but we evolve into manhood, to friendships, to relationships, and how we as women can support men that are trying to grow and evolve. And it's a really good conversation. It's deep, so I'm not going to belabor the point. Again, do not listen if you're sensitive to language or sex or rape. Because we are going to talk about those things. And you may want to listen first before you share it with your kids because there's a little bit of cussing. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back and uh, we'll get right into it. Of the conversation that we started last week, I had my cousin and guest hosted Break Time Podcast, Corey LeGrand. We were talking about uh, Boosie Badass and the way that he uh, is introducing sex and sexuality to his children at a very young age. And so we decided to do a part two and invite two more guys to discuss with us so that we had a wider variety of point of views and, and perspectives on the topic. So I'm going to introduce to you, and I want you to identify their voices as they speak, right? So first guest I have is Emmanuel. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. All right, well, yeah, I'm Emmanuel George. I was born in Overtown, but I was raised in Hollywood, Florida, uh, South Broward. Um, and it was um, the producer of the Sistrunk Affair. Uh, Sistrunk Affair was uh, started in 2019. It was basically the first ever Black Art Week in Broward County, um, the same way how, like, they have Art Basel in Miami and mm-hmm. they have Soul Basel in Overtown. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically, like, the same thing for Sis for the Sis Drunk Affair. I was the, pro- the producer, um, and Al Huggins was the co-producer. And um, that's, you know, was a pretty cool thing. And my, my focus is um, on blending in local Black history with Black creatives and making something truly substantial in our communities in Broward County. Awesome. Awesome. And I have now correct me if I'm pronouncing your wrong, your name wrong. Dijon Craddock. Did I say that right? Dijon Craddock. You got it right. All right. Okay. I hate mispronouncing people's names. So tell me a little bit more about yourself as well. Uh, So greetings, everyone. My name is Dijon Craddock. Um, I'm originally from Queens, New York, but I've been in Florida for 10 plus years. So I am a Floridian now. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) Uh, I own two businesses. I own a photography business, which I started about four years ago. And then I own a uh, wine talk business called Words, Wine, and the Purpose, where I sit down with um, individuals who are experts, um, who are passionate about a certain topic. And we sit down, trade a glass of wine, and have a a very good conversation about certain things. Uh, So happy to be here. uh, I, I think I can offer some insight on this topic because I do mentor a lot and I do uh, communicate with a, uh, with a young, younger males from ages from eight all the way up to 
25 because uh, my nine to five is that I'm a professor at a university. So I have these type of conversations all the time. Awesome. Awesome. So I do. And Corey is also okay. still with us, by the way. Corey came back. And I'm not. Yeah, I'm not frying bacon this morning, so, you know, I'm, I'm already eight, folks. We, we good. We good. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> Your stomach is full, so you can have a good conversation. I love it. <laughs> so, I wanted to have this chat because, you know, I, I am a, I've always been a woman. It's not, I'm not new to that. And so, my experiences in life are very, very different um, than most men in, in terms of sex and sexuality and the way we're introduced to those things, Right. And so when the Boosie thing came back out, I was filled with like shock and outrage, but I was more shocked and outraged by the amount of my uh, male friends that were sort of like, yeah, that happened to my cousin or yeah, that happened. And almost as if it were normal. Tell me how you all felt about his saying that so casually. Um, this is Emmanuel George here. Um, uh, it, it, it to me, it's like a reflection of like you know the black inner city of where you know myself and I'm sure many of you here grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that is things that happens that we often don't really talk about. It's just like you know, for example, um, when I was in high school, um, a lot of older men were talking and dating women that were my classmates. You know, mm-hmm. I was 16, you know, 15 years old. And it was being, you know, in cars, like, you know, well beyond their their 20s and 30s, sometimes 40s, um, that was talking and, you know, dealing with high school girls. And to me, it's like, you know, it, it was kind of similar in a way because, um, you know, in our communities, you know, like we often um, think stuff like that is cool. You know, you would hear, you would hear it, um, you know, among conversations when you hear these stories about teachers you know, mm. messing with young boys and how I was like, oh man, I wish I was, you know, when I was in high school, my teacher was, was, was throwing it at me, this and that. Right. And it's just a reflection. And it's good that, you know, you know, people, that many people are standing up and seeing that it's wrong. But it is, you know, I'm not surprised that many people are basically just, you know, defending them. Because to me, you know, it's, to me, it's sick, you know, um, you know, because, it, it, it molds these young boys into possibly, you know, being pedophiles themselves or also just seeing women as a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, me being, you know, I was a victim of, of um, you know, being molested when, you know, by an older woman when I was 10 years old. But, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the same, but, and at the same time, like, that molded a lot of my views because, you know, throughout my teenage years, to me, I was seeing women as, you know, sex objects. But gladly, you know, I, you know, I, I changed my perspective and, you know, seeing women as e- an equal and sometimes even more than, than, than me. Yeah. So, you know, um, basically to me, it's just, um, uh, <laughs> I'm just speaking from the hard side. No, that's um, fine. you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And to me, it's just sick. And it's, it's also just, um, the fact that like Boosie was kind of like parading and being hyped about it really like blew my mind. You know, mm-hmm. like you were like turned up and excited about it. You know, like you're, you're exposing your children to STDs, um, mm-hmm. incurable STDs. And, you know, and then also like, you know, um, what kind of women are, you know, saying bringing around to have them perform fellatio and, you know, and sexual acts 
upon, you know, these 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. You know, so to me, it's just, it's just overall sick. And, um, you know, like, I just can't defend that. You know, like, you know, like people separate the, 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 the art from the, from the person. Yeah. But, you know, like, I love Boosie's music, but it's like, bro, like, you know, I can't rock with you like that. It's like R. Kelly. Like, like I love R. Kelly's music. I yeah. can't deny how talented he is. Yeah. But what he was doing to black women, like, I had to, like, you know, cut dude off. You yeah. know, like, I don't care how much my homeboy, you my dog, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's what I had to say about it. You know, to me, it was just really foul and just really disgusting. And we really need to protect, you know, these young boys. Because if this was, you know, a situation where he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, my, my 12-year-old daughter, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a, a 25, 30-year-old man you know, go down on her or something like that. You know, like, people would be outraged. But yeah. then since he's saying about he letting some women, you know, get head to, you know, these young boys, you have people like, oh, yeah, cheering them on. Like, no, that shit, that, sorry about the curse. That, that stuff is disgusting. Yeah. So. Agreed, agreed. Dijon, did you want to add to that at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, uh, he's a talented brother, but him going on, IG Live and sharing that information or even uh, putting his uh, children or his son or his, his nephews in that position was just completely wrong. But one thing I'll say this is that I was not surprised that he said that on IG Live. Mm-hmm. If y'all know Boozy and you follow Boozy, mm-hmm. he has well, a track yeah. record of the <laughs> same thing that is just completely out bow yeah like i think yeah. it was a year ago where chris brown was accused of uh raping somebody and it turned out to be false but boozy came out with a statement saying i hope the rape accuser actually gets raped <laughs> for, for for you know for making up that you know you know uh, uh fabric uh situation right so um that's extreme i'm not surprised that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Boozy has a track record of saying crazy things, right? And I'm also not surprised at the fact that, uh, what, what, what I am a little bit surprised that people are shocked that he would say it. Right. <laughs> this is like it's Boozy. He says, he says off the wall things all the time. So I'll say that I'm, I'm a little bit taken back by that. Um, two, Boozy has. So I work, I, I teach marketing. So Boozy has a reality show coming up. Yeah. So you put two and two, the people who own this reality show is like, yes, Boozy. Keep right. doing what you're doing. Keep, keep going on live and keep talking that mess because, whoo, we're going to get some viewers and we're going to pimp you and make money off of you because you're a character. People tune into you so, and people pay attention to what you say. So now when, it, when you're on this reality show, it, it's, uh, people, you're going to get more views. And, of course, more views, the more money you make for the network and et cetera, et cetera. So it's 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 completely wrong. Uh, I but uh, I've I've came from a world sim- similar to Emmanuel and some probably some of you guys where um, we grew up seeing things like that, especially in school. And Emmanuel said that it it, it it was taught to us to be cool, especially us young younger males when we were young and we see stuff like that. Uh, an older guy messing with a younger girl or the other way around, yeah. we were taught that it was cool in conversation. Yeah. It, it'll be jokes like, uh, uh, so that's what we were taught. 
and then you grow up and then you realize that it, it wasn't right. Right. It, it definitely wasn't right. So um, it was it was flat out wrong for Boozy to do that because that does create a traumatic experience, you know, whether it's a, a, a younger male or a young, younger girl. And then also I want to say that for the, for, the, for the woman that actually put herself in that position, because if you watch the video, he said that um, she gave head to, to his son, his nephews, and he was just like, she topped me off too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for a woman to put herself in that position, um, it, it just, it, it's just completely wrong. Uh, you got to have a sick mind to do something like that, to, to, to take money to do such a thing uh, and uh, molest a child at that age yeah. and live with yourself. Um, so that's, that's my take on it. Do you think, and, and as, as both of you were talking, I remember when I was in high school was around the same time as, I don't know if you remember Deborah Lefebvre. It was um, in the early 2000s in Central Florida. Uh, there was a teacher who was very blonde and very pretty who was having a sexual relationship with her student. And I feel like the kid was like a good 12, 13 around there as well. And when the mom found out, she, of course took it to the authorities. And I remember going to high school with boys that were like, I wish it was me. She's so fine. She's so beautiful. You know, why would she, why would he tell his mom? Why would he, you know, like he was the, the person that was wrong. Right. So you're right. When you're a kid, you don't see yourself as a kid. If that makes any sense, you don't see yourself being younger and impressionable as as much as you are when you when you don't think about it in your mind you're an equal you know this person finds me attractive i'm i must be so mature um do you think that there's a when it comes to gender dynamics do we have a tendency to not think of our boys as ever being a victim when it comes to sexual behavior like he's a boy he clearly wants to do this as opposed to he's a child there's an adult that's in do you think that that's a part of it Absolutely. Um, we all know there's a double standard in this world. Um, uh, and to, to, make the, to neglect that fact is just that you're not re living realistically. There's a double standard because Emmanuel made the point that if it was a girl, mm -hmm. a 12-year-old girl, and Boozy said, you know, yeah, I had a grown-ass man went down and, yeah. and gave my girl some head, it, I mean, the world would be on fire. It's obviously like rape that. then, right? Everyone it sees it as rape. Yeah, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's obviously rape, and and it, yeah, it's obviously rape. But it, I mean, it's still rape anyway, whether it's a young exactly. male or a young young female. Yeah. And people are people when you look at the wording, you look at the the, the headliners and the bloggers are saying, you know, um, child molestation, um, child pornography. Uh, these, but I haven't seen I haven't seen something that says rape thus far in a headliner for a blog. Um, so there's, a, there's, there's definitely a double standard out there. And because um, we live in this country, and when you look at this country, this, this country is, is really run by men, white men, mm, to be yeah. specific. Mm -hmm. But it's, 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 there's a lot of ego out there. And when you look at our history, you know, we have slavery. And we, we as black, black people, we wanted to be like the white man in terms of keeping up with the Joneses mm. and whatnot. So we, we, we not only adapt that keeping up with the Joneses, um, state of mind, we adapt that ego 
ego as well. And then there's a lot of things that black men don't talk about until they feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. So it, it so if we don't talk about it as as black women and other women and other people that are out there looking at us, they're thinking, oh, you know, you're just a black man. Now we got a lot of dysfunctionality in our heads and a lot of stuff that we went through that we don't talk about until we get to a certain age or we feel comfortable talking about it. And that's why it's, it's, it's looked upon as, oh, he's okay. He'll, he'll be all right. Because you don't hear boozy songs, you know, coming out saying, you know, I've been traumatized. He's, he's taught to think that that is cool. Mm. Because Boozy think it's cool. Boozy was excited as hell talking about it in the video. He was ecstatic. He was like, "Yep, raising them up right. Yep, training them up right." Mm. And that he, what he's doing is he's he's taking his uh, homophobia and 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 planting it on his sons and nephews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that becomes toxic, and that becomes toxic masculinity, and then the cycle continues. So, yes, to answer your question. So I do want to, you brought up a good point and that brought me to, because part of what made me interested in the topic was I had, uh, I have a wide variety of, of friends on social media and I was seeing my male friends say, hold up, some of y'all are not allowed to come to my house anymore and some of you are not allowed to be around my children anymore because this topic made some of their friends bring up things that they did not know, like their close friends were either condoning you know, or saying, yeah, it happened to me. It was fine. What's wrong? You guys are making a big deal. And so there was a closeness, but they still did not know certain things about each other. And so I guess my question is, how would you brace this if you had a friend or a person that you genuinely care about overall, you think is a cool dude, but you find out that this is their perspective on sex and sexuality with children, with their own children? I I would say... um Shoot, I'm just cutting them off. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there, there, there comes a time where morals, integrity, and, and principle always has to override. You know what I'm saying? No matter how cool or how talented your homeboy, you know what I'm saying, your dog is, you know, like, it don't matter. Like I was saying earlier about R. Kelly, you know, oh. R. Kelly's one of the yeah. greatest, you know what I'm saying, musicians to ever live. A true genius. Right. But, you know, what he was doing supporting his talent life, is how like, he was able to continue doing horrible things yeah exactly so like his talent you know was funding him and giving him the the, the power to do all these things and i couldn't you know rock with him no more i love tp2.com but i don't <laughs> listen to it no more it ain't on my I, I, my spotify playlist no more or my recent you know what i'm saying i'm not giving him any clicks or anything like that no more you know so like it is an eye opener, and there is there was people on my social media feed, you know, um, that was condoning it and was saying, you know, like, well, you know, men, you know, we can take it, you know, because that's what we are socially um, taught, you know, where we're strong, we're men, and you know, if we're young men and doing things with older women, it is a um, it is a sign, like you know, like that's what we we do, and it's like an extra badge of honor. So, you know, but we're not really taught the the trauma and things that come with it. You know, what I was saying earlier, like, I'm a victim of that myself, you know, but I, I didn't really talk about it until, shoot, a few years ago. I'm 31. Yeah. So, you know, like, this was like 21 years ago when I was 10 years old, 11 years ago, 20, 21 years ago. And yeah. look at me now being able to talk about it so comfortably 
because it you know it took it took time for the trauma that I dealt with you know for me to finally be open and embrace it like hey you know um, people see me and this and that but hey this was what happened to me and this is how it impacted me you know mm. and this is how a lot of times when I was younger like I just viewed women as just sexual objects you know like okay smash and dash like you know when I was young that's what they were doing to me. What was the impetus for you to mm-hmm. even realize that there was any kind of trauma? And and I ask that because, like I said, we're seeing and hearing that more people are saying that this happened to them. And when you say, hey, that wasn't right, they go, I'm fine. I turned out fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Right. So for yeah. you, what was the shift that made you feel like, oh, that was trauma and it's not fine? For me, for me it was just. Um, you know, just getting older and, you know, finding myself more because, you know, I didn't really find myself till about 2014. Um, I was what, 26 at the time, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was when I was starting to come into more of who I am and what I stand for as a black man. And when I was looking back at my life, you know, things that I did great and things that happened, like, you know, I always used to like kind of shut that out. You know, I was 10, you know, I was in the tallest, I wasn't, you know, the strongest, you know, and um, it just made me realize, you know, like, okay, this was a real situation, and this is something that I really do have to reflect back on, and then I thought about, you know, how I was, and um, how I was um, looking at women, and past relationships I was in, and how, you know, these relationships I was in with women, how I was sometimes just viewing them just as, you know, sexual objects, or, you know, people that said, you know, have sex with, you know, like, this is what we on, like, you know, like, it's more than just, I'm not really trying to learn you, or try to, like, really, you know, you know, know you truly like that, because when I was, you know, at 10 years old, 11 years old, it was just, you know, hey, I'm just Emmanuel, a sexual object, a child, so I was just seeing women at that time as just me, hey, you know, shoot, they, they're just about having sex, so, hey, that's what we on, but then when I got older, it was just, you know, you have, there, there's more two women you know you know they're they are very complex you know get to learn them and you know grow with them and value them and you know and i was seeing other women in my life that became my mentors and i started to see you know more value and you know and my my perception did a 180 so yeah. that's basically what shifted it you know and um you know i had to come to grips with my with the the, the trauma and that happened to me so yeah. you know and I, I kind of want to, like, interject real quick. Sorry to cut you off, Manuel, but I definitely want the listener to know, like, for instance, for us three black men, how we got here, um, most of our stories are the same, and it, and it kind of started up with the rearing. And in the rearing of it, in my development ages, I remember as a child growing up, and I'm, I'm, I'm more so speaking on, you know, uh, people want to understand, like, dang, like, why aren't they saying anything? Well, this is why. Um, when I was young, I played a league football. My dad was a football coach and everything like that. And I, I always grew up wanting to impress pops. You know, like, there's nothing to see my dad smile and cheer me on when I did a great play. But there were times when I wasn't feeling well. There were times when I even got injured. And I remember my dad, like, get off the damn grass. You're killing the grass. You know, and, <laughs> and, and immediately, or, or would say certain things like, oh, well, you a man, right? What you over here crying for? You know, mm-hmm. okay, so, so the relationship is over. Why are you crying about it? Move on. There's plenty more women out there. And by saying that, that t- taught me at a young age to just push down those emotions and mm-hmm. live with it. Mm-hmm. But now here I am. Life has a, a beautiful way of revealing the mirror, what you're seeing. And, I, and, I, and like Emmanuel, 
you know, around in my twenties as well. I'm looking at myself, man in the mirror, shout out to MJ. But I'm looking at myself <laughs> and I'm like, damn, how did I get to this point? Like, how did I reach this, 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 this era in my, in my developmental life? Because Corey, for so long, you were taught that it was okay. Now, I'm not trying to say my dad was a horrible person. Again, my dad was raised in a certain way that men carried themselves away. And he didn't adulticate what he, what he thought. But it also goes back into, you know, intent versus impact. His intent was to raise me in a manner that will make him proud and I will also be an asset for society. But sometimes those words and those morals and those lessons that he taught me was also deprivating and it, it, it really left an impact because it was the, the, the comments that he would say were left for interpretation and left a, a, a crazy impact on me and how I view women, how I view myself, which mm-hmm. is even more crazier. Because there'll be times where something legitimately hurt and I'm, and I'm in pain and I have to coach myself out of it. Well, what you doing, man? That's not what men do. This is a, what, 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 don't let them see you cry. What the hell? You don't cry. Yeah. You know, we, we got to be 10 times harder, 10 times stronger, and, and so forth. So I definitely want to at least, like, put that out there for the people, uh, uh, for, for the people that are in the, in the stages of trying to understand about how black men communicate or maybe it appears the lack of communication. Because I also, also want to also throw out there as well, not communicating is communicating. Mm. Mm-hmm. So just be mindful of that as well. So I'm going to go ahead and step on back and let you go ahead and ask your next question. <laughs> okay. And thank you. That's actually a really valid point that the lack of communication, the the way that, and you know what's interesting? Because I think black people in general kind of get that messaging as a black woman. We're not always in a place where we're allowed to cry, to weep, to feel. Uh, there's a lot of shut up before I give you something to cry about that we get as well. We're all getting that message just as black people. Um. And I think men are getting it double-fisted, right? Because you're, as a black person, not really in a safe place to feel. And then as a man, you have to uphold masculinity, right? So you guys are getting a double dose of don't feel, don't deal with it, just push past it. Um, And that means that, unfortunately, sometimes you're communicating your pain in a way that is not really clearly saying I'm in pain, but maybe, you know, as Iyanla would say, you're bleeding all over everybody Um, (laughs) because you don't realize or you're not able to recognize the pain is there. I did want to go back to, uh, Dijon made a really good point and he mentioned homophobia. How much do you feel that homophobia is contributing to people's attempt to normalize or okay, or at least dismiss this sort of behavior in terms of forcing or encouraging young boys to be sexually active as children? Um, I'd definitely say it's, um, you know, it's something that that's definitely there happening. Because, you know, again, like we're taught to just be so manly, manly men, you know, um, you know, this is what you do, you know, um, this is how you, 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 you are superior, you know, you, you treat women a certain way, you know, and, you know, certain things where showing emotions and being vulnerable and um, even downright to listening to the music you listen to, you know, is, you know, showing how masculine you are, you know, uh, like growing up. I remember when I got my first car, my you know, a 96 Corolla, and I remember I got a CD um, player in there, you know, and I thought I was a man, you know, um, you know, going to school and everything like that. But, you know, a lot of times to the music I was listening to, I was listening to a lot of jazz music, R&B music, soul music, mm-hmm. you know, love music, you know. And when I would pick my homies up, you know, I was, like, switching, like, right before they get in the car to some Jeezy or or, you know what I'm saying, to some, some T.I. or some trap, you know, rap, you know, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, I, that was because I felt like, man, I don't want people to think I'm 
this way or, you know, anything like that. But, you know, um, you know, it, it's just how we were taught and how we were, we were brought up, you know, and also the fact that, you know, my, I'm a product of two Caribbean parents. My parents came mm-hmm. here in 85, 86. And, you know, I don't know if anyone knows, like, how, um, you know, people in the islands view the LGBT community. But, you know, it's right. like a lot of hate towards, you know, the LGBT community. Yeah. And growing up, I had that hate, too, where I was like, man, you know, gay people are, you know, this and that. Yeah. It's weird. You know, it's disgusting. It's, you know, stuff like that. I was listening to Boom Bye Bye and, you know, Bachi oh Monkey Dead and all this stuff like that growing up. You know, so, like, um, that was, like, my perception of, you know, you know, the LGBT community. Right. But then, you know... Um, for me, my reality hit was when in 2015, when I went to Dominica, I was in Dominica, my family's from, I went there for three weeks, mm-hmm. and I have a cousin, his name is Turkey, he is a gay man in Dominica, you know, and um, and what my family down there were saying about him was like, you know, hey, Emmanuel, you know, stay away from him, this and that, you know, he's this, he's that, and for me, he was just like a cool guy to me, right. you know, I had no issue with him. They, for me, it was like, just for me being around them, it, it was some kind of way. To me, to me, it just felt wrong and everything. And um, and when I used to talk to him, I used to be in certain areas of the island. So my mom is from the concrete jungle of Dominica, which is Grand Bay. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't even go to Grand Bay to bring me. I, thought, I, I forgot what he was bringing me, but I had to go to him because he couldn't go there. You know, and that's what really safe. blew my mind. And then some of my other... I'm sorry? Because it wasn't safe for him to be in that area? It wasn't safe for him. And I felt, and we have to also see where they're coming from because people always say, oh, well, there's a gay agenda, there's this and that. But chances are, yes, there, there most likely is a gay agenda. But that agenda is just more so for them to be just treated with respect and dignity. Yeah. That could just be their agenda, you know, which is fine. Just to live just free. To, take over the world and do any, to have to. Yeah, just to live free. Like, hey, that's what they want to do. And, that, and at that point in time, I did have a, you know, you know, a view, because that's what I was brought up in. And, you know, being, you know, of, you know, Afro-Caribbean descent, that's how we see them. But, you know, it opened my eyes more. So, because, you know, to me, on a conscious level, it's just, you know, these people want to be treated right. You know, it hurt me having to sit here stories that my cousin Turkey was telling me how he was treated. You know, and that's where he lived all his life. You know, like, he, it was torment being jumped, being, you know, all this kind of stuff. He was an outcast. And he was a regular, decent human being. You know, he worked a nine-to-five. He, he wasn't hurting nobody. He was just focused on his fashion and working and making money to provide for his grandmother. So, you know, yeah, that was my, that's my, uh, what I would say. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a decent percentage. I don't have a number, but I would say I could say more than uh, 50% um, in terms of compared to other things that are out there. Um, uh, when Paul Emanuel was talking, he mentioned his, uh, his upbringing. He has Caribbean roots. I have Caribbean roots as well. And when you look at the generation, it sounds like all of us on the phone are millennials, mm-hmm. uh, from, from the, from the dialogue and the conversation and so on. I'm just going to make that assumption right there. Yes. So when you look at generations, when you look at generation X, then you look at, uh, baby boomers, they have, um, certain values. And then also they have certain religions, certain spiritual life that they believe that they believe in and whatnot. And when you look at uh, uh, being gay, it doesn't belong in the church. 
So I, I, I come from a, a Christianity background. It doesn't belong in the church. Mm-hmm. But when you have two generations that do not um, value this idea um, or this way of life, of choosing whoever you want to be with, then it's ingrained in the generation after them. So we have baby boomers and we have Generation X and then we have uh, Generation Y, also known as millennial. We like to ask why. Mm-hmm. Why should we do this? Why right. should we, we, we were rebellious in terms of why should we go to church? <laughs> and I, uh, and, and my mom would say to me saying, because you're going to go, go praise God and whatnot. And then I would ask why and why to the point where she didn't give me an answer. <laughs> so that's our generation. And I think, I think it, it eventually it's going to start to shift because in society it's becoming more accepting. Um, these people have a voice now, which is good. They need their voice because they've been in the shadow for so long, um, for so long. And, and that, that itself being in the closet could just cause um, a, a, a traumatic life and that could stick with you for life. So, yes, I, I believe it does have a, a very high percentage uh, in terms of why people are, are treating it the way, how, how to treat it. When you look at men, uh, men are taught that, you know, not to be feminine because it makes us look weak. Um, and that's what we were taught. Uh, it's like Corey said, his dad said, you know, get your, you know, get your butt up off the grass. Like, and you got up and you, you, you didn't want to portray the image that you were soft. And anything that, that um, is under the umbrella of homophobia makes you look soft. And, and that's what Boozy's thinking in his head is that I don't want my kids to be soft because I'm not soft, and I was raised in a certain uh, environment where this is how it is, this is this is how it's going to be, and I'm not going to change for nobody. Right. So, just to answer your question. So, I did mm-hmm. want to ask um, because as a as a person who is in relationship with black men, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a home girl, I'm a cousin. I'm a sister friend, all of those sorts of things. I'm a, you know, I have men in my life. How do you think these sorts of experiences that our young boys are experiencing in our community impact us as women and those of us who are supporting and loving and being in relationship with men? Um, I'll tell you what, it, it, it definitely, it, it is very impactful. Uh, uh, I know, you know, Emmanuel said what well, that he, he went through that. Um, I, I would dare to go out and say more so as a woman dealing with a, uh, a black male um, is the fact that he also has to get to a place, again, you come back to that common denominator, right? He has to come back to a place where, one, he realizes what happened is not good, and two, he's safe to speak about it. Now, here's the thing about it. You, you do have brothers out there that have gone through what Emmanuel has gone through and possibly worse, mm-hmm. but they don't feel bad about it. Uh, a lot of them, as, as crazy as it may sound to us, but a lot of people, may have, a lot of brothers may have gone through the situation. It's like, had it not been for this, I couldn't be this dreamy husband that you have now. So it's really, it, 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 it's very, it's a perplexed situation where I'm sitting back thinking about it like, well, this guy thinks it's okay. I don't, I don't know how to, de- if, if it's even worth deprogramming. I, I don't know. So I, I, that's where I'm kind of stuck with it. I'm pretty sure Emmanuel can elaborate a little bit more from his perspective. Yeah, um, I definitely uh, feel as if, um, you know, for me from a you know, black man's perspective, it's just all about 
being able to find yourself and be one with yourself so that, you know, you can understand and look at the past. You know, for me, I always speak on like firsthand experiences. You know, these, you know, these things are ingredients that makes me who I am today. People see me and say, oh, Emmanuel, you know, you are, you know, you're standing up for your community. You know, you are doing phenomenal things. People look up to you, you know, and things like that, you know, and it's like, well, you know, one, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm human like everyone else. That's number one. And two, you know, um, there is, you know, like my life, there's things that happen, you know, like these situations that I was talking about earlier that, you know, does make me become who I am today. And there were a lot of things that I learned from trial and error, you know, like seeing women at one point as just being, okay, you know, this is a culture I brought up in where, you know, quote unquote at the time, you know, bitches ain't shit. You know, yeah. women ain't this and that. You know, you just fuck them and leave them. You know, this and that. And, you know, they're not an equal to end up, you know, looking into myself and then seeing them as more and seeing them as being valuable and having women who are mentors, like women like Valencia Gunder, women like uh, Carla Mafora, um, you know, my mother, you know, um, you know, women who, um, you know, you know, help shape me and help comfort me and help me become the, the best that I can be right. so that, you know, these situations make me better. The trial and error of, you know, when I was in past relationships and how it may not have been the best boyfriend at the time when I was in my late teenage, early 20 years, 20 years old. But, you know, I ended up learning more and, and you know, through those situations from that. And, you know, it makes me mold into who I am, you know, now, you know, it, it was just, um, you know, that experience, the, you know, of life. And, you know, and then for now, it's just, you know, being a man is just, you know, just being more comfortable around my brothers, embracing my brothers, you know, telling my brothers that I love them, that I appreciate them, and that we need to be more open and have more um, serious conversations around things like this, you know, because, you know, we're all millennials um, in this conversation, and most people my age group, you know, I hang out with are, you know, people who might have been going through these situations, worse situations, and how do we yeah. open up without having to you know, and, you know, it's okay. If you need to cry about it and you're feeling choked about it, that's fine. You know, just let it out, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what allows us to move on and be better men for, um, our, you know, for black women, for our children, you know, so that we don't repeat those mistakes. Yeah. I think our generation, particularly as millennials, we are really focused on stop the buck stops here. Like we're, we're going to heal we're going to do better. We're going to change. Um, and I think I see that so much in our men when, when I have these conversations that there is a history of, yeah, that happened, but not my baby. Or, yeah, that happened, but we're not going to repeat that. You know what I mean? So I think that that is a, I see a beautiful change. I would say, um, in, you know, for women in terms of aiding black men, I mean, it, I I would just say, um, just kind of keeping it simple, um, just empathy. Um, I think empathy is just like the, the main thing, comprehension, and um, just being able to be uh, patient because, the you know, we've been so, you know, a lot of us have been conditioned to be a certain way when it comes to letting our emotions and feelings out that, you know, that now is a really new thing. So I would just definitely say um, just being patient for sure. And, um, you know, and just being able to listen to understand and not listen to um, defend. 
you know, just so we, you know, one can see where that brother is coming from. Uh, uh, for me, um, and this is the Jean Crowder, by the way. Uh, <laughs> me and Corey just shared something uh, about this particular topic right before we jumped on the phone. And if if you're a woman that's dating a guy that has experienced uh, this type of trauma mm-hmm. um, at childhood or even at um, teen years, I would say it would be best to be empathetic, but also understand that this person needs to heal. Mm. And hurt people hurt people. And if that person is hurting from something years back, dealing with their childhood and they have not faced it yet, um, my uh, my advice would be to actually leave that person to be so they can heal. And Mm. that just goes across the spectrum in terms of people being hurt. I don't think people should date while they're hurting, and then I don't think people should seek to date while they're hurting. Right. And uh, tr- trauma is such a, a dangerous thing because if you're not healed, if you're not whole, uh, as a man, because we're taught to suck it up. We're taught to, you know, go out there, put the, the world on our shoulders, mm-hmm. and, and we go out there and put our... our trauma on the back burner, our feelings and our emotions on the back burner, and we go out there and date. And as a woman, if you're dating this this, this man and you see that something is wrong with him, of course, a woman's natural thing to do is to nurture. It, it's in women to nurture, but also have the understanding that this person needs to heal and needs help. You can be there differently, um, but I don't think um, you should date that person, but just give them the best advice you could and make sure that you are being there for them in ways where they can learn how to heal for themselves. Yeah. So what you so yeah. let me, From a dating perspective. okay. So let me yeah. clearly make sure we understand what you're saying. It is, it is. And, and, and there's a difference between, let me state this your partner saying, hey, this happened and maybe I need to get some help and you kind of connecting dots and being like, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, that's got to be two different mm-hmm. things because if that person is not at a point where they can even see that something happened or that it's negatively affecting yeah. them, that's that's a whole different can of worms versus somebody who is actually saying, mm-hmm. I need some, I need to process what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, it sounds like um, you're going to say something. For me- but yeah, go ahead. You go ahead, Corey. Well, I mean, just to kind of add on that too, um, I totally agree with Shannon. The the person you're dating, um, I know we're talking about men, but this also goes for women too. If you're dating a woman who's been through some ish, it, it, it's going to. I think patience is key, but grace is also a bigger key, right? Mm-hmm. Like acknowledging that this person has gone through stuff, and acknowledging that when they're not themselves, it's not about you. It may be they're being triggered and understanding what those triggers may be. Maybe that person might be self-aware, or that man might be self-aware to tell you, hey, when you tell me, and I'm just throwing this out there, right? When you tell me that you're going to do something, and you falter from that, that puts me in a place. Um, I I said it on the last episode episode before, where I truly believe that consistency is key. Consistency also fosters security. And any man, I don't care... If it's Boosie or any of any man, any race, 
We all that that is huge to us. Consistency brews security. It may be a hard thing for some people to like process that, but for me, I need that consistency, and I don't need someone to invade. If I because one of the biggest fears that I have as a male is being vulnerable and being kind of put out there. And the thing is, like I was telling you earlier, Shannon, on the last episode that you and I recorded, don't peel back the veil or peel off the band-aid just to watch it bleed and not do anything. Mm. If you're going to go there with this person, then you need to stay there from the good, the bad, and the ugly because all three of those things will happen. And that's why I feel that as sisters, cousins, aunties, mamas, even um, significant others, you just have to be cognizant of that and just understand, like, trust me, nurturing is a huge thing. It heals a lot. But there are different types of nurturing. I don't need you to be another mother to me, and I don't need you being a helicopter mom to me. Like, oh, my God, he woke up a little late. He's depressed. Oh, my God, you know, he raised his voice. Oh, that must be a trigger. Like, let's not be too hypersensitive about it. In the midst of all this, I'm still a human being. I love it. Mm. I love it. Uh, Dijon, you were going to say something? No, uh, uh, Corey, uh, Corey cleaned that up. <laughs> Corey did a perfect job of uh, 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 pretty much breaking that all down. That's what exactly I, I was going to say something in relation to what Corey said. So thanks, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So let me throw it back on mm. you guys. What can or how can a man support each other if they're looking at their homeboy like, what would you say? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, I, I'll jump in real quick and jump right out, right? So for me, um, a lot of my childhood friends, and this, and this is like a basic example. Like my childhood friends, when we were growing up in high school and stuff, I never knew that they were struggling, if, if they were struggling in the class. I never knew, it just never came up in conversation. You know what I'm saying? So if it didn't come up in conversation, I didn't, it was no need to address. Right. I mean, just recently now, with the time of change, yeah, we want to ask on brothers' well-being, and I'm pretty sure, you know, my brothers here can co-sign with that, but on a day-to-day, like, when I call Dijon, yo, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. You know, I'm up here getting this ready for my business and getting ready to watch this and watch that. And if he doesn't bring it up, yeah, then we just don't talk about it. There's no unloading. So if, in this case, right. So I, for me, when I hear that my friends, like, Oh man, that's messed up. I never let my child go through that. Or the opposite, where it's like, hey man, it is what it is. At least this, 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 and this can confirm this, that, that, and the other. For me, I kind of like, yo, I just let him live. Like, that's how you feel, bro? Like, yeah, that's how I feel. And we may talk about it, but then I hear his side, he hears my side, and then it just becomes dead in the water. It does, it's not a cry for repair, it's not a, a cry for, hey, he needs a dynamic shift in thinking. It's just, it just is because regardless of this disagreement that we're having, because I even have a good friend that's a Republican. Oh, God, I know. Tell God me bless you. But regardless of his political stance, I have so many great memories, and there are so many times where this brother has been there for me. You know what I'm saying? That I just can't toss that away because we're on two sides of the table. So it's one of those like, you know what? We ain't going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about is this, uh, the last dance hall. Did you watch those last episodes? Oh, my God, those, those, they gave me life because there's no sport. I mean, yeah, it was like I um, you know, speaking about before. It's just, you know, it, you got to put um, principles over everything, you know. And um, and what I mean by that is just like, hey, even though like, that's your friend and everything, you know, you could have a conversation like a real um, 
man to man conversation or um you know about you know the the, the Boosie issue or is it the R Kelly issue you know this real issues that like we really got to have serious conversations about and you know if that's something that like they're so um engulfed in you know then it you know you just got to distance yourself you know because you know principles over everything and you know for me that's what i had i i had to do you know in light of what it came to the art kelly situation and um recently with um the the, the boosie um situation as well so you know, if they if they can't have a conversation, they can't see perspectives and see, you know, certain flaws in their ways, then you just gotta um, let them be. So, so hold on, man. Well, let me ask you a quick question. So, if you and I we were on two different sides of the Boosie table, would you? Would that mean that this would be based on Boosie's decision and my reaction on it? Is our friendship predicated on that? Well, what I'm saying is that, like, is um, you know. It's the importance of perspectives. Like it's it's like okay. in politics. If you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, or I'm independent, and you're Democrat or Republican or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. we can have um, a conversation, and you know, we could be on two different sides of the spectrum. But I can see your perspective. I can see why you um, have think the way you think, and hopefully, vice versa for me. You know, but in terms of situation with um, um, Boosie. You know, um, basically advocating for 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 child rape. You know, like that's a whole mm-hmm. different spectrum. You know, or R. Kelly with underage girls. But it's one thing if it's like, okay, like you know, you're a Trump supporter or you're a Biden supporter. Like, I'm independent. You know, but I could understand why like people are vouching for Democrats and um, certain times I could kind of see why there's black conservatives because they feel that the Democrats have have failed us over over for so many years. So um, certain situations like that, it's like, all right, like, you know, it's cool, you know, but this is, but, you know, this is something more serious. Uh, with my um, thoughts on that question, uh, it's very similar to Corey. It's just like Corey, when Corey said that if he called me and asked me about how I've been doing, you know, how's the business going, that would be, that'd be the end of it. Corey doesn't know what is going on day in and day out with me. Um, it's, just a, it's just the type of conversation that you, you have with certain people in terms of men, in terms of growing up. Right. Um, and Corey mentioned an example of just going to school. Like when I was in school and when I was at my male friends, all we do is talk about girls, talk about basketball, football, sports. But when my male friend goes home, I don't know his living situation unless he shares that with me. Mm-hmm. He could be homeless. He could be... You know, God forbid getting molested. I, I, I don't know because we don't talk about that type of thing. And I could be a friend to this person for years to come, and we may have a disagreement on a certain topic. And that doesn't mean that our friendship ends there. If you've been there for me in tough times, I've been there for you in tough times. It's just that we just disagree on this specific topic. And it goes back to that Republican, um, you know, Democrat argument, which party you're affiliated and whatnot. But there's just some things that you're just not going to... I may look at you differently when it comes to that topic, but if you've been there through me, been there with me through thick and thin, then I'm not going to hold that against you in terms of me not being your friend anymore. I'm just going to look at you a little bit differently when it comes to that type of topic, and I know I'm not going to be able to discuss 
um, that topic with you because I've had heated conversations with my best friends about certain things, and it's all love at the end of the day. We disagree to agree on a certain topic. Okay. So that's, that's my take on it. I do think this may be, at least for me, where men and women might be a little different, only because I... um. I grew up going to Christian school, and so I had a lot of friends, you know, once Facebook and social media came up, that were very different now than they were when we were little kids, you know? And so when Obama came in office and and everything, I started to see some flares of some things that I did not realize they may have had or had developed in their adult life that I didn't know was there as children. And so I lost a lot of friends during the Obama administration, and a whole new set when Trump became president. Because it started to feel like you can't, for me, now this is just for me, I felt like you can't call yourself my friend and be rooting for my oppression as a woman and as a black person. And as, you know, just that was how I I took it. Like, if you are for these things, then you have to secretly be against me thriving, even if they're not connecting those dots. So I think that that might be the difference because, you know, if you are a person who has experienced something like like child rape or molestation, like the things that Boosie and R. Kelly were basically advocating for, that's going to hit way different for you than if you haven't experienced that stuff firsthand. It's easier to agree to disagree on things that aren't necessarily, or at least that you don't feel are directly affecting you. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to add to that, and I think it goes back, especially when it comes to friendships and relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm constantly analyzing my, my relationships, and not in a bad way. It's just a reminder, especially if, like, if I have a good idea. Like, let's say it's like, oh, you know what? I got, I got something I want to do in the community. I, I want to do this project. Not to say that Dijon isn't qualified to do it because he loves the community as well. But I'm probably going to have that conversation with, with uh, Emmanuel because Emmanuel is immersed in the community. Right. I mean, he, he, he is Hollywood, Florida. You know what I'm saying? So I guess for me, that dictates who I'm going to have that conversation with. And it's not like an open forum where I can have a, a conversation with the same conversation I can have with Emmanuel is the same conversation I can have with Delta. So, you know, mm-hmm. Delson and I, we've been friends for years, and all we do is talk about cars, because that's where we connect. I mean, I'm not saying that I can't talk to Emmanuel about it, but Emmanuel might be looking at me crazy, like, why Corey's calling me, talking about putting 22s on his truck? I mean, that's a cool idea and everything, but yeah. uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? He might <laughs> not be passionate there, and I think that's probably where a lot of the, that's probably why you're getting that type of reaction, or it may seem like a, a, the male reaction overall is kind of stagnant, because a lot of us, we got, we got homies. But we also use discernment on what we're going to talk about. Uh, 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 and it's not, and I don't think it's to avoid conflict. I don't think it's, it's we're not doing that as conflict uh, avoidance uh, practices. It's just that's where we just naturally hang up at. Because, like, in all honesty, Shannon, if it wasn't for you having this podcast, these, us, us three right here probably wouldn't really be talking about it, to be honest with you. I mean, we'll be thinking about it, but we will be talking about it maybe with other people. But I don't, I don't see myself... If this was happening, I don't see myself reaching out to Emmanuel and asking his opinion about this. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just keeping it real. Mm. That's interesting. I actually agree with Corey. That's a good point. Like, if, if you didn't have us on this podcast, I would not be talking to Corey about this. <laughs> so that's a very good point. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I mean, I guess I find that interesting because wouldn't that lead for... You know, just speaking of, of myself and the way I am with my friends, doesn't that leave gaps in your 
in, in somebody checking up on you or is it just that there's a bunch of people who do different mm-hmm. functions? It's not that we're leaving that. is just the way how we communicate. It's how men are very simple. We're very, very simple creatures. So it's just the way how we communicate with each other. If it's something that doesn't, it's not, it doesn't mean that it doesn't interest us. It's just that it's not something we talk amongst each other. Um, it, it's because we just have, when we talk, we, we have our interests amongst each other. If I'm going to call Corey, uh, it's going to be about, you know, maybe business. It may be his plant. Maybe our fraternity and stuff like that. Uh, so, but if we enter into a opportunity where we enter into a room, me and Corey just randomly enter into the same room, and this this is the topic, then Corey knows me enough, and this is why he reached out to me, and I know him enough to reach out to him to talk about this topic. So if the opportunity comes, we'll we'll talk about it. But it, it's not going to be an everyday conversation between us. So I don't think it's leaving any like gaps between our relationship. It's just that we we reach out to each other based on the things that. We, we, I guess, we normally just talk about how we connected, how we met. And, and, and I think everybody has a, a, you know, as my grandma would say, you got your friends and your running buddies. And so there's some friends that you know, if you want to go out, you want to turn up, that's your friend. If you want to talk about your deep issues, that's your friend for that. You know, that's, that's sort of normal. I guess what this does lead me to is how would you receive it if you were on the receiving end of, hey, I noticed there's some stuff going on with you or you've been saying some things that make me feel like you have some trauma going on. How can I help? How would you, how do you receive that if you're on the receiving end of that? Did I stump y'all? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, you did. Um, For me, initially, I probably would like going to defense mode. I feel like, you know, just being human, I feel like that's an attack because it goes back to what I said before, right? If I'm having, if I have a dedicated line of conversation with Delson and Delson comes in and tells me like, yo, Corey, like I noticed that you look like you're having issues in your relationship or you don't seem as happy and all that and stuff like that. The first thing I'm going to say is what you mean by that, bro? Like, I don't, I don't understand what, what are you trying to go with this? And with that question that I shot back with him instead of a direct answer, that's me ramping up a defense because I feel like an attack. I'm like, God, this is not organic. Like, bro, we don't talk about this this type of stuff. Yeah. So that's me initially. Um, would I necessarily open up to him? It depends on the time of day. It depends on if he's accurate. If he's accurate, I, it's going to take me some time to open up because we've never mm-hmm. gone down this portal before. But if he's inaccurate, I'm going to shut it down. I'm like, bro. Come on now, I, I had a bad day, now. you know, I, I I didn't eat lunch. Next, right. you know what I'm saying? That's me. I think for me, it, it would depend on which male friend it is. Mm. If it was my, uh, my, my best friend that has known me for, you know, 15 plus years, and he came to me, man to man, and said, look, man, um, for the last past month, I've been observing you, and I see X, Y, and Z. I would take that seriously. If it's somebody that I really don't know like that coming at me like that, I'll go. I'll automatically go in defense. But for me, I think it's just a matter of uh, who it is, which male friend it is. Gotcha. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that last statement too. You know, it, it depends on on who is giving you this um, information because some, cause, you know, you, you have like the right um, friends around you. Sometimes, like that hard truth is what you need to um, bring you back down to reality to read to to, to reintroduce you to yourself. So um, yeah, it varies on who. Um, for me, it's like if like if it's that close friend or your close cousin or brother or uh, uncle or you know whoever, um, you know definitely would take that into light and definitely really do some other, do some some self uh, soul searching to um, get myself right back on track. So I think sometimes, like, for me, like, I love, like, an, an honest truth, even if it may kind of bother me for a bit, mm-hmm. because to me that beats someone just being a yes man and just, you know, just wanting to just say whatever just to make you feel good. So um, I definitely would be very um, um, appreciative of a, a real honest truth like that. Damn, man, you got deep, dog. That made me feel like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't mean like that. I'm kidding. We're probably going to jerk anyway. But go ahead. <laughs> what do you want the people to know before we close out? Yeah, um, what, what I want people to know. Um, I mean, you know, with the pandemic going on and everything, it's, you know, everything is kind of up in the air. But, um, Still staying true to my, po- my my purpose and what I'm focusing on, focusing on, and you know, bringing bringing the museum to South Broward, and um, that's just um, what I want people to know and just stay tuned. You know, I love it. I love it. Anyone else? Uh, I guess I can I can go next. Um, uh, similar to Emmanuel, I'm I'm sticking to my purpose uh, by just helping these students. Um, become young professionals and as they enter the world and also uh, the flip side of that is helping others um, discover their purpose outside of the classroom through my um, wine talk show Words, Wine, and the Purpose. So uh, hopefully it continues to inspire the masses that's out there. And and I'm actually actually working on something. I'm actually working on uh, a live, a Facebook live that's called "Let's Talk Dating Men Versus Women," where we're going to talk about dating standards, using dating apps, dating a single parent, dating strategies and tactics, and the art of DMing. And I'm work, I'm putting a panel together for that. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that's going to be uh, pretty interesting. Oh boy, that's going to be. Listen, I'm an old married lady now, but I would love to enjoy. I like sitting on the sidelines and watching and eating popcorn. <laughs> As the singles do their thing, so definitely once you get that up and pop and let us know, and we'll share that with our listeners. Absolutely. Sure, sure thing. Corey? Well, as you guys know, I've been a frequent host here on Cocktails and Conversations <laughs> with Shannon. Um, unfortunately, it's a little bit too early for me to have a cocktail, but I damn sure will have one later on. <laughs> um, I, I am the host of Break Time, uh, Break Time Podcast. It's actually streamed on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud. We just talk about uh, stuff at work. We talk about issues at work, things at work, funny things at work. Um, you know, at the same time, we also got to remember for those of us that are gainfully employed, you spend 40 hours a week working. You can't tell me that doesn't impact your life. So we talk about strategy and how to get through the workplace or enhance the, the positive vibes at the workplace. For those of you guys that are seeking employment opportunities, I actually, uh, tomorrow I'll have Holly Noon on. 
and Holly is an HR strategist, and she actually brings some great, great tools for those of us that are seeking employment and those of us that are trying to move up in the employment uh, ladder. Break time is 15 minutes, just like your normal break time. Um, aside from that, I'm getting ready to June 11th. We are doing Zoom. Um, it's actually called We Need a Break. It's for men. Um, I will have the five great panels on there. We're going to talk about some topics here just to make us a better version of ourselves. Um, you guys can catch, I will be dropping the flyers off on my social media account, uh, which is, you can follow me on, uh, it's break time underscore PC on IG, or just follow me, Corey Legrand on Facebook, and I will definitely let you guys know what's going on, follow my page as well, be a fan of my page, and I uh, definitely want to close it out with a better you, a better me, makes us a better week. So that's all I have to say. Thanks guys for tuning in. I love it. I love it. And thank you guys for being so willing to be open and chat with me and my listeners. I appreciate you so very much. I'll have all the links to the things that you guys uh, talked about in the description box as well so people can check you out. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Appreciate it. No problem. All right, that's going to be a wrap for us this week. I want to thank the guys for being so open, honest, and willing to chat with us. I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. You can also send me a voice memo, and the link for that is in the description box. And I encourage you to rate and subscribe. That's right, rate, subscribe, and tell a friend. Uh, Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we could always use the support, and I could always use the listens. Thanks so much. I look forward to chatting with you again. Have a good one. Mwah.